Coming up, today's guest is the president of Fiverr. You're about to discover the shift to programmatic advertising and how their new ad mediation platform allows you to make more money. We also talk about why you need to A-B test a ton of campaigns using ads and in-app purchases. And finally, how his previous company was acquired by Fiber. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Do you know how well your mobile ads are performing? Well, let Adjust unify all your marketing activities into one powerful platform and give you the insights that you need to scale your app business. Check them out at adjust.com slash app masters. Want to scale your ASO and Apple search ads? Well, check out appradar.com. Their clients include Tinder, Microsoft, iTranslate, and many more. Learn more at appradar.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the podcast that you go to when you want action-packed content in the app business because I talked to some phenomenal entrepreneurs in the mobile space to get their story and really to have them share their secrets with us so that we can all collectively grow together. And today, I've got a phenomenal guest. When you reach out, I was like, Heck yeah, I want to talk to him. So I'm super excited to have him on, talk all about monetization for mobile games and the shift to programmatic advertising. If you're not familiar with that, we're going to dig in deep with this guest. And his name is Offer Yehudai, and he co-founded Interactive in 2007, which was then acquired by Fiverr in late 2016. We're going to hear all about that acquisition. And now he is the president of Fiber. I'm sure you guys have heard of them. It is fiber.com. Ofer, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Hi, Steve. I'm going to actually go offer Ofer. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to come out. It's just something comes out. So tell us about the acquisition. What happened there? Oh, wow. That was a fun acquisition. You know, uh, so we started interactive in, in 07, as you said, way, way back, you know, before iPhone, before Android. Uh, wow, those were like Nokia days. And, you know, we built the business and it took us a couple of years, but uh, when it took off, it really took off. And Interactive was all about helping publishers and helping game developers make more money, right? How can you monetize those games? And when we met uh, Fiber's uh, founders, uh, actually at the beginning of 2016, there was this click, you know, immediately. Uh, and we began working together and at the end of 2016, uh, just like good friends, we said, hey, let's make something big together. Uh, and that's how this acquisition happened. Uh, just founders talking to founders, you know, people with people, a, a very, very natural process. And right after the acquisition in 2017, uh, I joined Fiber as their president. Yeah, that was fun. Nice. But it also was one of the things that failed and what i said was a campaign that actually didn't work out like you didn't mention that what was the the failure or the lesson out of that absolutely you know uh, as an israeli entrepreneur a, a day after the acquisition you know the board asked us is said guys how how long do you think it will take you guys to merge the companies together 
And I remember we thought, you know, hey, we can do it in less than a year, right? We are a young mobile company. I mean, what's a, <laughs> it's not that complicated, right? Um, and it actually was a bit more complicated than that. Uh, the reality taught us that, uh, you know, it takes time to bring people together and, and tech and, and just culture and align everyone. Uh, in fact, you know, that's where like 95% of acquisitions fail in, in that process of merger. Uh, and luckily, we did succeed, uh, but not under a year. It took us about two years to really bring everything together and connect all the pieces and come up, uh, come out with a new product. Uh, the outcome was, you know, a much even an even a, a product than we a, we could think of at the beginning. But it definitely wasn't, uh, you know, less than a year. So my lesson from from that experience is that uh, you have to sit down and think and plan thoroughly when you bring so many people together. And, and the secret is really the people. I mean, when the people are aligned, when they understand the, the, the mission and the vision and they work together, you can build wonderful things. So oh. definitely, I would say, failed in the sense of we, we didn't do did it as, as fast as we wanted. Yeah. Uh, but eventually, I mean, very proud of the result. Yeah, amazing results. How's your life changed since the acquisition or the merger? First, since the acquisition, uh, I have three new kids. So <laughs> That's awesome. Great timing. They definitely changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, you know, I'm so happy and proud to be part of Fiber. Uh, you know, Interactive was amazing and we grew rapidly, but we always knew something is missing. And what was missing was uh, the mediation piece. And, you know, anyone who or design a great game or build a great app, know that they need some kind of a mediation stack yeah. to really um, 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 manage all those network relationships. At the same time, we at Interactive were very early on programmatic. And it was super exciting to talk to game developers about programmatic advertising, which was kind of, you know, new to them. Um, what we found that, you know, worked very well is to just sit down and, and talk very openly about what programmatic is all about and, and try to help game developers to, to plan ahead, just like we did with the merger, right? Plan ahead how programmatic can benefit their product. And, and for me, that's really, really exciting to do something new and not repeat the same thing all over again. The, yeah, you did talk about like the... The strategy that's working for you today is taking a very consultative approach and right, really trying to educate your clients. What was like the biggest question that they have? Because I'm sure people in the audience are thinking like, hey, you know, like I'm ready to scale my game. What is this programmatic advertising? What was the like the main question that they had about programmatic advertising? You know, the, the biggest question is what's the difference between what I'm doing today and why, why can't I just use one or two ad networks? So, you know, a couple of networks in a waterfall. And how can programmatic really benefit me? That's usually the first question. Uh, and, you know, sometimes people ask, what is programmatic? I mean, isn't like, like a web or a desktop thing? I mean, can, can, does it really work for mobile game developers? And, and those are really great questions. I think, you know, programmatic means eventually automation. It means that uh, there aren't just people uh, pushing buttons, but there are machines who take decisions really, really fast. And, and those decisions eventually translate into more money. It means I can make more money. Uh, those decisions can change waterfall order. Uh, those decisions can change who are the buyers that are allowed to buy or uh, advertise in my games, right? 
And it's not just something I change once a day or twice a day. It's something that is changed all the time for different users. So your audience is all different, right? Some people play the game for five minutes and some may play it for much, much longer. And we need to personalize the experience for them. And that's what programmatic is all about. I would say it's taking time, but we are here in this market for such a long time and we've seen the benefits of programmatic. So it's about sitting down, talking to developers. You know, personally, I'm a terrible salesperson. I don't do sales, I'm a product guy. So I enjoy sitting down and really talk to developers. How do you build your game? And how can we help you just, you know, leverage all those great assets that you have? I got it. And then from a programmatic advertising perspective, so that's like the inside, right? Like that's getting, that's an acquisition type of thing. So sort of like really automating the acquisition side of things, correct? Okay, great. What does... Do you still need like a UA, head of UA, UA manager, if everything is sort of like, hey, it's all taken care of by the machine? The answer is yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, the machines are great, but I think I, I like humans more. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's, there is always this hybrid approach, Steve. You know, people ask, yeah, I mean, if I go all programmatic, um, can I let go of my UA team or can I let go of my monetization team? And you know what? We, we do work with some publishers building amazing games and they went all programmatic and they managed to, you know, keep, keep, you know, a much smaller team uh, running both UA and monetization. I would say this, it takes away a lot of the load and the time from the people who manage uh, and give you more time to try new things, uh, explore maybe new geos, maybe new ad units, perhaps one or new partner. So the routine work goes away and the people you have on the team can try new things. And that's how you can just better leverage the time or the resources that you have. The other thing I want to talk about too is with programmatic advertising, does it include all the ad networks or, I mean, I'm sure it does, but does it also include like Google UAC, Facebook? Is it all inclusive in terms of the, the advertising opportunities that game developers have? Look, ideally... Like uh, when, when we started Interactive many, many years ago, our vision was everything is programmatic and there are no SDKs, right? There are no code. You just write something once and all the Googles and the Facebook of the world just, you know, advertise and that's it. Right. Um, but then we woke up. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a bit more complex. Not all players are fully programmatic or programmatic in the way that we wish. So I would say if we dream that this will be an SDK-less world, we see that it's a world with just less SDKs. Okay, so it's not a zero SDK game, just less and less. Uh, when we built Fiber Fairbid, our latest uh, mediation product that supports header bidding, means programmatic, it allows publisher to work with uh, traditional ad networks, uh, meaning non-programmatic ad networks, like I would say... Uh, Let's name a couple of good partners like Vangel or Unity Ads. At the same time, we have the likes of Facebook and Ad Colony and Liftoff who are purely programmatic and they can participate in the same product. And that's the same hybrid approach we talked about before. There is no need to let go of anyone. They can all work together. The more programmatic you get, the more efficient and automated you are. So... 
offer like, I don't, this is not my realm, right? Like I focus more on the organic side of things and the ASO side of things. But like, when you talk about like true in-app header bidding, what does that all mean to a noob like me? So, you know, I'll explain it as, as simple as I can. Usually in a waterfall scenario, waterfall as it is, you, you go one by one, right? Advertiser by advertiser. And you ask them, you ask the ad network, hey, do you have an ad to serve in my game? And the answer is yes, no. And, and hopefully you call the networks in the right order, meaning from the highest CPM, from the highest outcome down to the lowest. Right? That, that's a waterfall. Right. Uh, and it was like this forever and ever, also in desktop and, and mobile web and any type of monetization. Header bidding, what the names really mean is let's call everyone at once, not one by one, and let the highest bidder win. And why is that? Because sometimes in the waterfall scenario, the one at the bottom that yesterday had a very low CPM, today they have great CPM. Or not today, just this moment for this user. But, but nobody knows that. So you're going to call them last and miss a great opportunity. If you could call everyone in parallel and let them all bid in one auction, in the same time, you really maximize your revenue, just like any auction. So a head of bidding is about taking the waterfall, turn it sideways, and let everyone compete. Now, when we say true header bidding, that's the dream, because not all ad networks, as we said before, are truly programmatic. Not everyone can truly place a bid. We designed fair bid in a way that allow traditional ad networks still participate in an auction, even if they don't have the capability of placing a bid. And we are doing it by working with them, uh, trying to understand in high accuracy what, how much they are likely to pay for that impression, and then combining that into the auction. So you can move away from the waterfall, you can enjoy your programmatic buyers, and you don't have to put the traditional networks aside. Uh, and that's that's the vision. That's what we've built with Fairbid. I got it. And just so the listener just want to break it down for you. We're talking about fiber from a programmatic advertising perspective. So that's bringing users in. And once you have those users, you can use the platform like Fairbid to sort of monetize, better monetize them. Yeah, both ways. Absolutely. Getting those users in and then monetize them. Absolutely. That's brilliant. So we'll just need one, one SDK, right? Yes. One thing. Yes. That's awesome. Hey, what were you guys seeing in the market in terms of with this Fairbid platform that you're like, hey, this would, this would really help out? So, I mean, it definitely help out for publishers that have very long waterfalls today. I mean, I mean we I see publishers that have waterfall, waterfall that are long as 50 or 60 instances. Think about the latency it adds, it adds to your game. If you have to go over 50 instances and see, hey, network A, can you fill in a $5 CPM, then, then 450, then four, I mean, long waterfalls add to latency, latency add to churn. Users don't want to wait for ads or don't like when the game slow down, when your SDK is just, you know, crunching it to get an ad. So better user experience and, and, and much higher CPMs once you go programmatic, when it's all automated. A um, couple of the publishers that you know, work with us shared um, case studies where their ARP DAO, their revenue per, per daily active user, went up 30%. That's a lot of money just by reducing latency and increasing CPM. 
So, I mean, from my perspective, any publisher that rely on, you know, advertising and, and buy users should definitely consider that. Yeah, I agree. Well, Offer, the next thing I want to ask you is about monetization. So what kind of advice for those who are sort of figuring out the whole monetization side of the mobile games, what advice do you have for them? But before I do, I do want to thank my first sponsor, AppRadar.com. They are the ASO tool that's going to give you a ton of free stuff better than some of the paid offers out there. Now, for those listeners, I just want to make this known because I just talked to Thomas. For those listeners who signed up because you heard my ad, they are running some different tests. So you may not see the traffic and difficulty, which is something that I shared that they allow you to do and for absolutely free. So there's some running, there's some run, they're running some tests. So you may have it, you may not have it. Hopefully they make it available for everybody, but you can get started for free. You can track up to 200 keywords, which is more than any other service out there. And hopefully you're one of the lucky AB tests out there that gets the traffic and difficulty scores that we use to sort of optimize the app title, the subtitles and all that stuff. And something I would tell clients, if you're using programmatic advertising, if you're running acquisition, think about the ASO side of the things because it's like a big cycle. They all help each other out. So if you're looking for an ASO tool that's absolutely free to use, that allows you to track over 100 keywords, optimize two apps, l- analyze your competitors, hopefully get that traffic and difficulty scores, check them out. It is appradar.com. Once again, appradar.com. All right, Offer. So, you know, from a monetization side, I know some of the audience, they're maybe not as big. Some are big, but some aren't as big as some of the people that are working with Fiverr. But talk to us, like, if you're if you're talking to more like an indie developer who game developer who's developing their games, what kind of monetization tips do you have for him, him or her? So great question. It's actually a question that is relevant for all sides, right? Indie and, and the biggest studios, we, they keep asking themselves, I mean, what should we do? Right. Good indie. to know. Even the big guys are asking the same question. Oh, absolutely. No, by all means. And, you know, we um, back at GDC like six months ago, we, we partnered with a great company called Game of Wales. Gameofwales.com. I know them. You know them? Yes. Yeah, so we have a partnership with these guys. That's cool. And, and that's, I mean, it's cool, Steve, because it allows any developer, again, indie or big, to really look at the user's journey inside the game. And you can see like, oh, these are my ad revenue, and those are my inner purchase revenue, and those are the users that are really, you know, going in the game and spending money or watching ads and interacting with the ads. And, and the reason you can see all of that is that, you know, we and them work very closely together. So there is access to ad data and, and IP data. And then you can start setting different A-B testing rules within your game, right? So within the game, A-B testing around monetization, like should I, should I serve more ads, less ads? Maybe I should offer some kind of uh, special offers to my users. And I can create up to 10 groups and run them side by side. And I believe that eventually you have to be savvy, right? I mean, you can look at uh, like immediate incentive, like someone can give you a check and tell you do this and this and here is a check. Uh, Or you can build a a sustainable business that is relied on, on, on data and numbers, right? So if you look at what we've done with Game of Wales, you can really understand how your, how your audience behave and start iterating from there. I really recommend developers that are launching new games 
to do a lot of A-B testing on the game content and the monetization, hundreds if you have to, to really perfect your launch. So when you're soft launching, you really know what you're getting into. Uh, we've seen publishers who's doing it. I mean, they see amazing results. And then are there any specific milestones that these developers should be trying to reach? Like Game of Wales, it's sort of like everything's going to be taken care of you, right? You use Game of Wales, you sort of automate the whole conversion cycle. You use Fiber and Fairbit to sort of monetize them. Are there any type of milestones? Like you got to get, I know a lot of people talk about like getting that first thousand, five thousand, ten thousand users. What kind of milestones do you think that these developers, especially anyone, should try to reach during their self-launch? Yeah, you know, I just came back this week uh, from the Game Daily event in LA. I hope it's okay. Yeah, of course. Uh, I, I love this event. And I saw so many great, you know, great teams building great games. And they ask a very similar question. And look, the reality, your game is your business. And just like you open a shop, uh, you need people to come by. You may have the, the, the best shop, right? But right. people should come by. Um, and look, there are no magic and there are no shortcuts. I mean, users will, will come organically and you will have to spend some money to get more users in. Um, more and more advertisers and ad network will not monetize your game or will not allocate their best performing campaigns if, if the game is too small. That's, uh, I mean, there is no way to sugarcoat it. So I think it's very important as a milestone to build a UA strategy and make sure you have also the funding to support it. Yeah. Features is great, uh, promotions are, are amazing, but you have to be uh, to sustain a, a, and invest in your US strategy. And I really want to say, I mean, great developers out there, if you don't think you can do it, you need to have a plan, right? Otherwise, you're the best game, but nobody would know. You think these indies, they have to start finding like publishers out there because a lot of the ones I talk to, you know, they don't have that $100,000 for a soft launcher to $20,000. They're just working with the passion that they have, like sweat equity, right? Where they're just building these games and they love it. So do you suggest that, hey, maybe trying to find a publisher? Um, I think so. Find a publisher or, or, or an investor or group together. But I mean, the answer is yes, just because there are so many great games uh, and the stores are getting bigger and bigger. And you know what's going to happen next with uh, Apple Arcade and Google Stadia, Stadia and, the, and the subscription services? Um, there will be even more access to games, and we'll see perhaps more parents buying subscription for their kids to access Stadia and, and Apple Arcade. And then what? If you're an indie developer, I mean, it's going to be even, even harder to, to be noticed. Right. So I really, I really urge... Uh, indie developers, I know it's coming from passion. I saw them, I mean, you, as an entrepreneur, I can very much relate to it. And we at Interactive, the first couple of years, man, we walked in the desert, we had nothing. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, if you can get the backing and the funding and the publishing, there are really no magic tricks, unfortunately. Yeah, I think too many people see like the big hits out there and they sort of say, oh, I can do that and try to emulate it. I think, you know, you don't really realize that they've been maybe working on games. Like I know Matthew Hall, Crossy Road guy, interviewed yeah. him way back in the day. And he's like passionately talking about game making. And I think they're more one of the more successful indie developers out there. But like he's been making games since he was 12. And I think he's, you know, late 30s, early 40s out there. So it's like, dude, it's been 20 plus years of continually making games and you're just jumping into it because you saw Crossy Road and Flappy Bird. Yeah, you're right, man. You're right. Cool. Well, hey, 
offer, like the, <laughs> I keep wanting to go back and forth. One of the things that you talked about as well is to think long-term and be savvy about it. Now for me, this is something I struggle with. I'm like, people ask me, what's your five-year plan? I'm like, I have no freaking idea, right? Like, I don't know what it's going to be like. How do you like train your mind to start thinking long-term, like where things are headed? So for me, it's about, you know, I try to focus on smaller number of things, but do them very, very well. Uh, and not spread myself thin. Um, like, honestly, when, like I used to be, when I was much younger, as a, as a much younger entrepreneur, we tried, you know, to do so many things in parallel and there was very little planning ahead. We said, okay, we'll do gazillion things and let's see what catch. Yeah. And the reality is you really need to, again, look at the data, understand where you want to invest and how much you really have to invest and do less and do it very, very well. And we've seen, you know, with the exception of the hyper-casual games that, you know, release a game every week or so, hope something will catch, you know, on the casual side, you can see, you can, or, or social casino, you can see publishers having this one title that they keep perfecting it, and it's amazing, right? Mm. So they do this one amazing thing. And you have to sit down with your team members and just build a plan and, and use tools, you know, be it Game of Wales, us or others, and see how your audience react to what you build and constantly measure and constantly change based on the results. Don't try too many things in parallel. Don't go wild. Don't jump between genres. Uh, just because now there is something new, um, you'll just you, you'll run out of air. Focus. Yeah. I like that. How have your, just from a personal question for me, how is your role as CEO of Interactive, something that you started now that you're running Fiber as the president, how has your like focus on these small number of things changed? So maybe talk to me about like some of the things that you really cared about in the early days and now some of the smaller things that you care about today. Yeah. So, you know, just to get titles right, I was I was president at Interactive and then also at Fiber. But still, I mean, the, the question is 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 great because in both roles, I I oversee a product and also marketing. So it's always about how do you prioritize the the right things. Um, Fiber is a public company. Uh, Interactive was a young startup. The biggest change for me was building a a predictable business because as a public company, you know, it's very important to be able to, to uh, predict your business and communicate to the market. The product meaning, the, the product implication where, where are uh, our publishers today? What are they missing? How can we build what they need? And that's why we put all, our, all of our efforts into Fiber Fairbid if it's on the data side, the UI side, uh, we chose Game of Wales out of several partners and we focused there because that's where we saw the, the value and that's where we chose to focus. Um, it wasn't easy. Back at Interactive, we used to do tons of things. You know, it's a startup, you take an engineer, you give them an idea and, and they build something. And it may work, it may not work, and if not, not a big deal. But as a public company, you have to be much more... Uh, I would say concise in the way you make decisions. It, it was a, it was a big change for me. Yeah. Uh, but again, now I'm father for many more kids, so I understand that you know you need to the same way you run a family, you have to run a business. Yeah. So it's personally and also professionally quite a journey. 
Yeah. yeah. Your wife is sort of like the board, right? Absolutely. <laughs> She's <to> the board. <laughs> I love it. Hey, something that you also mentioned was at Fiber, you had a couple of decisions where you sort of had to sacrifice immediate revenue, but for the long-term value. Can you go into details about that? Absolutely. You know, so just when Fiber acquired Interactive, our company, um, Fiber made an, another acquisition. And, and, and that second acquisition, that ha- it actually happened slightly before, before Interactive, uh, you know, worked with some publishers that their traffic was, I would say, questionable. Uh, and when we joined, you know, from Interactive, we looked at that and our strongest recommendation was to, you know, stop. We said, guys, I mean, yeah, it makes money. I mean, it wasn't fraud. It's all okay. But we, we don't like it. We don't like it. And even though there's going to be a revenue hit, we believe we should shut it down and focus, again, back to focus, focus on building the best platform for the publishers we want. It will take us less than a year or eventually two years. Doesn't really matter. This is the right thing to do. Now, again, as a public company taking such a decision, Steve, it wasn't easy. It means I have to go to the public market and, t- and, and tell the investors, hey, guys, I'm willingly, willingly, you know, cutting those publishers because I believe the right thing for the company is to build Fairbid. The investors and the shareholders obviously asked a couple of questions, but quickly understood and subscribed to the vision and the idea. And that's what we did. It wasn't easy. Looking back, it was the right thing to do and the best thing to do for the company. But when you are in that decision-making process, uh, as you can imagine, many forces and and pressure from different, different angles, you have to focus. And, and make sure that uh, you take the right decision. How do you and sell that, that vision? Yes. Yeah. How did you go about selling that vision? Making sure that they were aligned, making sure that you know this was the right decision. Hey, yes, I'm giving up something now, revenues, real revenues, but this is the long-term vision. How do you go about selling that? I feel like it's going to be a hard thing. It, it was hard, but you know, luckily, if you look at what happened in the... Um, desktop ad tech, right? Everything on, on, on browsing or mobile web. Many of these things happened before. So mobile and mobile games, you know, it's like a, the second iteration after desktop. Yeah. So how many companies made a lot of money, you know, monetizing different web pages and you knew, even us like as, as audience, we knew this is wrong or this is not how it should be. And this is not fiber. And we said, guys, we don't want to end up like this. Let's make the change now when we still can and let's focus on what publishers need today and will need in three to five years. Let's build for the future. So, I mean, luckily we did have this uh, comparison, right, into what happened before. Uh, at the same time, you know, we sat down with our publishers, the one that we really wanted. We, we you know, flew to wherever they are in the world and we sat down, we spent time and they opened up and said, guys, can you please build this? We need to move away from the waterfall. We need more automation. We need more transparency. We can't rely on just black boxes. Even though it makes money, we, we need to take control. So we heard it very, very clearly. So also coming to the board and to the investors, we had the confidence because we were powered by our customers. And that helped a lot. I love it. 
offer anything I miss that you want to make sure we cover? No, I mean, that's, that's great. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. And for me, like the story we had with Fiber, I mean, we've been doing games for so many years and we've been doing programmatic on the interactive side for so many years. Uh, and just being able to connect programmatic and gaming and tech, I mean, that's super exciting. Uh, you know, sometimes people ask me like, okay, you sold your company to Fiber. Why are you still here? I mean, go do something else. Go sit right. by the beach. I don't know. Uh, and honestly, I mean, there is nowhere else I want to be. I mean, this is the future. We are building the right things. We have the right people. Um, and, and we are super excited about it. Yeah, yeah. that's Fiber. I love it. Did you take some time to go to the beach though? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> There's three kids, I gotta tell you. Huh? Well, offer. this has been, let me, before you hit the big finish, I do want to thank my sponsor, the last sponsor, adjust.com. Look, Offer talked a lot about programmatic advertising, A-B testing, using Game of Whales to sort of make these intelligent decisions. Well, you need a tool to help you with some of the analytics too. What's working? Adjust.com. They are a sponsor and they're going to help you with all the mobile attribution analytics that you need to make sure you have the right funnel, to make sure you're onboarding your new users in your games and all in a very efficient manner, in a very effective manner, so that they really understand it, so that your retention goes up. When your retention goes up, finally, you can use something like Fairbid to make more money. So once again, go check them out. It is adjust.com. One more time, adjust.com offer. This has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. Give us one app. We definitely have to check out. Wordscapes by PeopleFun. When I talk about focus and clearing my mind and just taking a decision, I hit that game for like a couple of minutes, wordscapes, I run a couple of word puzzles, there is nothing else I think about, and boom, I have, I have a, a way to go. So my, my quiet zone, my way to focus, wordscapes. I love it. I, I mean, as someone, both of us running, our, running companies, it's just like, I need that sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I need that two minutes of just, I'm not going to think about anything else. I'm going to think about something fun for a little bit. Yes. Offer, I know you kind of talked about this a little bit, but I do. What is there another lesson that took you a long time to learn? Uh, the first lesson I'll give you some time. He said it's better to focus on smaller things to do them well, which I love, and it's something that I learned the hard way too. But I was thinking, I was thinking rather than reiterate that, if there's another lesson, if not, we could we could finish it up as well. You know, I can tell you that uh, at Fiber today, after all the acquisitions, we have seven offices around the globe, meaning we work with great and talented people coming from different countries and different cultures. Um, it takes some time, but once you understand how to harness this great power and intellectual power of those great people, this is an unfair advantage. I mean, there are great people everywhere, but when you combine different people and when you combine different way of thought uh, it puts you in a different just a different league so uh, we really believe you know in people and like how how can people make a big difference and for me being able I, and i'm fortunate to work with so many great people you know in seoul and london and berlin and tel aviv and new york and san francisco it's it's absolutely amazing and it's a great lesson if you can and if you have the the ability to work with more and more people that are, that are different than you you will gain a lot out of it. 
No better way to end than that. I absolutely am completely aligned with you on there. Once again, it is fiber.com, F-Y-B-E-R.com. You guys know about them and check out their new platform, Fairbit, that's going to really help you monetize your games. Offer, is there anywhere else you want to send the listeners? Steve, thank you so much. It was such a great pleasure talking to you and, and the listeners. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Offer. And thank you for listening and I'll see you on the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.